Pastor Byron looks kind of sick. Does he? <laughs> I am not Pastor Byron. My name is Trevor Knox. I serve here on staff as our executive ministry director where I help oversee all Sunday operations and all of our serve team operations. Can we give it up for our serve teams? The people who make it possible, but if you've been coming for a while, you might have seen me hosting during announcements. You may have seen me slapping the bass with the worship team. You might have seen me fighting teenagers at Redemption Youth on Wednesdays. But today, I am blessed and honored to be sharing God's word with all of you. So thank you guys for having me. God has stirred up a movement here in the hearts of our people. Amen. There is a movement here that cannot be stopped, and we are so excited just to be a part of it. I want to start this off with a little bit of a celebration. Can we get some praise in here? Come on. I didn't even tell you why, but okay. I like that. There we go. Hey, now we can clap. Did you know we have baptized 71 people this year alone? Come on. 71 new believers, come on. We have raised up 25 new serve team and small group leaders. Come on. Because we believe in discipleship. We believe in the development of the saints. Amen. And this year we have started our Multiply Giving Initiative where we have purchased this entire block so we can build the forever home of Redemption Church. Come on. Because we are committed to God's mission. We are committed to our mission statement. We exist to help others experience life change through. Come on, somebody. If you are new, we are not a cult. Okay. You might be like... Why are they all saying the same thing at the same time, right? No, we are not a cult. We are just a people who are passionate about seeing life change. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I've given you the statistics all up top, but what I love even more than statistics are stories, okay? Because every number has a name and every name has a story, okay? Every name that has walked through these doors has a story, and God has been writing amazing stories ever since the beginning of redemption, way, way back when we were planted in 2016, okay? Stories of prodigal sons returning, amen? Stories of addictions being broken, amen? Come on. Marriages being restored, amen? Come on. My favorite story, though, that I've, uh, I think I've seen written here at redemption is a story Pastor Byron told me about a woman five years ago who uh, had hit a very hard spot in her life, okay? She was raised in a vaguely religious household. She had a boyfriend who was extremely opposed to organized religion or anything to do with it, okay? And she had actually broken up with him and started to spiral. Her life went out of control. She had no grip. She had no focus. She had no faith. She had no direction or vision with where her life was going to take her. So she's scrolling Instagram one day. She sees an ad for a church in downtown Beaumont that's being held in a bar, She's like, okay, I've tried everything else. Let me try this. I don't know what person <laughs> has to experience in order to be like, well, I guess I'll go to this bar and see if Jesus is there. But uh, <laughs> this is the revelation she had. She showed up. She sat on the front row. Okay, she was late. If, newsflash, if you are late, you're going to get to sit up the front. What's up, dog? It's good to see you. <laughs> come on. Come on. We love you. You made it anyway. Okay, we love it. She was late, but then she received worship. She received the word. And the next Sunday, she came back. And she filled out a connect card. And the next Sunday, she came back. She joined a serve team. Next Sunday, she came back. She joined a small group. And then in her small group, she was discipled. And over the next few months, she would end up getting baptized. Nothing better, amen? We love baptisms here at Redemption. Okay, she ended up getting baptized. And what you just heard was a story of a new believer coming from a non-believer. You go from non-believer to new believer. And those are the stories God loves writing, amen? And what's crazy is whenever he got, she got out of the baptism waters, she told Pastor Byron, hey, all of this almost never happened. 
did you know that? He's like, what are you talking about? He said, well, the first day I came to church, I couldn't get out of my car. I was ridden with fear. I was ridden with anxiety. I was crying. I didn't know if I would belong. I've never been to a church before. I didn't know how I would be received. So she began doing what she only knew up until then, which was pray. But she didn't know what to pray. And she, the words that came out of her mouth ended up being, Jesus, I just want to know who you are. I just want to know who you are. She had never heard the good news of Jesus. So she mustered up the courage, made it through those doors, sat on the front row. She was late. Sat on the front row. The pastor Byron gets up to preach, and the first words he said, the first words out of his mouth, who is Jesus? The most important question you will ever ask yourself. Who is Jesus? I don't know about y'all, but do y'all ever feel like Pastor Byron is stalking you? He'll say something directly that you're going through in your life, and you're like, is this message for me? Is this a prank? Is this a TikTok prank or something like that? I do that thing where, like, I pretend I'm in a sitcom, so if something crazy happens, like, who is Jesus? I just look at the imaginary camera, like, (laughs) but nobody's there, and I look crazy. Nobody else, okay, just me. That's what I do. But the reason this happened isn't because, indeed, Pastor Byron is not stalking you. I can be the first to tell you, okay? He's He's not gifted enough for that. He's gifted in other areas, but he ain't spying on you, all right? The truth is, God loves to save people, amen? Amen. He loves, he will love everyone, but he especially loves chasing after the one. This is the story of redemption. He loves chasing after the one, because I believe that Sunday, we all know Sunday service is for everyone, right? All of you, Sunday service is for you, but I believe on that day at that time, that Sunday was specifically for her. Because a lot, God loves pursuing the one. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump back into the book of Acts. We are in chapter 8, verses 26. And I want to answer the question for you guys. Um, how do I share my faith? Okay, and what happens when you share your faith? So if you're taking notes, that's going to be your title. And uh, before we jump in, are you guys enjoying the book of Acts? You guys like living in this book the way we preach expositionally? We get every single verse. Nothing is skipped, even the hard stuff. I love it. I'm very excited to be in Acts. I'm excited to be preaching out of the book of Acts. But it was kind of rough whenever we started out, okay? Because you go from the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is amazing. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized by the thousands. But then what happens to the apostles? They face persecution. And then after that, they face some persecution. And then they keep going. There's a little persecution sprinkled in there. But then they meet Stephen. And then there's some persecution. Okay, the early church did not have it easy, okay? But God will take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it into good. So where we're jumping in right now, we started out with the book of Acts in Jerusalem. We're heading all the way to Samaria. Last week, we exposed Simon the sorcerer, okay? But now we're going to be back with Philip the evangelist as we continue. They didn't have it easy, okay? But they made it count because God's people have been scattered. Originally, they were all in one place, but they got scattered across the land, God's going to use that to spread his good news. Come on, somebody. So we're going to jump in. Point number one is the evangelist. We do it for the one. Let's jump in right from the top. Philip has an encounter with an angel from the Lord, a messenger from God himself. Acts 8.26 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. 
So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? He invited Philip to come up and sit with them. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shear is silent so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and the beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus as he passed through. He preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So to break this down, we see Philip, a new believer who was just saved in the beginning of this book, receives a command from the Lord to head out all the way into the desert to pursue one man, the eunuch just so we could share the gospel with them, right? They meet, the gospel is shared, the man is baptized. We have a perfect example of what it means to share your faith. Philip's first step into sharing his faith is first and foremost, he answered the call. The Lord sent a messenger, he was obedient. He answered the call. And if you start to dig into who Philip is, the author actually gives him the nickname, Philip the Evangelist. So it's not Philip the Apostle. It's not some grand leader. It is Philip the Evangelist. And I love this because I love nicknames. Okay, I used to teach Brazilian jiu-jitsu to children, and the easiest way to, for me to remember who they were was giving them nicknames. I did the same thing here at Redemption. If you know Pastor Byron, I call him PB or Peebs for short. He hates that. Don't do it. <laughs> we have uh, Andrew Barnes. He's our amazing safety team lead. I call him the Barn Shark for no reason at all. <laughs> okay, we have my man Dom running sound right now, Dom Bear. I call him Domatron because it sounds like a transformer. His wife, Krista A. Bear, I call her Mama Bear because I love her and I love bears. And then we have <laughs> Ethan Berwick, who smells like a bird. And I call him Guy Who Smells Like a Bird. All right? I love nicknames. I grew up on pro wrestling. It makes life fun. But Philip is Philip the evangelist, and all he's doing is answering God's call to go and share his faith to this one man in the desert. He's using the gifts that God has given him to serve the church and spread the good news of Jesus. He's being obedient to God's call and helping others experience life change. He's pursuing a goal that God had placed in his heart. So when you hear this, you might think that Philip was some kind of grand leader. Because whenever we're reading the Bible, we tend to gravitate towards the leaders, right? Paul, the apostle. Peter. Barnabas, the missionary. Okay, these are the people we typically gravitate towards. But Philip is not that. Philip is just a guy. Can we give it up for just a guy? If you are just a guy in this room, I want you to know I see you. God sees you and he loves you. Even though you're just a guy, I promise just a guy can do amazing things. Okay, he didn't have a title. He wasn't an executive ministry pastor. He wasn't a worship leader. He was just a man with a servant's heart and is obedient to God's call. So the first thing we need to understand when we're sharing our faith is this. God will use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He uses ordinary people because all evangelism is, is this. You met Jesus and you want others to meet him too. That's it. If you have a good thing that can be shared, why not share it? That's all evangelism is. You need to love Jesus and you need to let, other know, let others know about that love, okay? So you don't need a title to share the gospel. You don't need to be educated to share the gospel. You don't have to have great influence to share the gospel. And you don't have to work in ministry to share the gospel. You'd be surprised at how many people I meet who think it's the staff's job 
to share the gospel. Could you imagine that the fate of our world was up to me and JC, our next-gen director? Okay. Uh, just because we work in ministry <laughs> doesn't mean we got to do all the work. No, that is all of our job as believers, okay? And believe it or not, ministry is tough. Me and JC don't always see eye to eye, mainly because she's like this tall. <laughs> but we don't always... <laughs> She did say she would punch me if I made that joke. I'm going to have to hit her with the. Uh, <laughs> JC, I'm kidding. I love you. You're the best. But you don't have to have any special talents or titles in order to share your faith. So don't make evangelism more complicated than it actually has to be. Your only qualification is that you have met Jesus and you want others to meet him too. You love him. You want to share that love with others. Okay? It doesn't matter who we are. It matters who he is. So evangelism isn't a talent you use, it's a mission you fulfill. It isn't a title you earn, but an answer to be obedient. It isn't a destination you reach, but a journey to a call you have experienced. And you don't need a reference, you just need a revival. You don't need a program, you just need purpose, okay? You love and know Jesus, and you just want to share that. You don't need a system, you need salvation. That's all you need. So when I got saved, originally, remember, God, you might not know, God turned my life completely upside down in 24 hours. I went from a non-believer to a believer overnight. Okay, he grabbed me radically and changed my life. And the only thing I knew to do with that was to join the surf team. So I joined the parking lot team. I was working three jobs, working overnight, but you would always find me out there with a sign, waving, smiling, bloodshot eyes, didn't matter. I was gonna be there because I knew there was a chance that anybody who walks through those doors has the same opportunity to experience the same life change I have. Okay, if God can restore me, my reputation, he can restore my mental health, he can restore my vision for who I am, okay? He can do it for anybody. If he can save a wretch like me, he can do it for anyone. If he can do it for me, he can do it for anyone. I ain't special, I promise. I might be special in other ways. I'm not special, okay? I am simply trying to be obedient to God, and this is a call we have all received. It is not reserved for anybody or any title, okay? It's not a talent you use. You don't have to be special, you just have to be obedient, Sharing your faith isn't reserved for a special hierarchy of people. It's a command for all of us who believe. And my heart breaks whenever you actually look at statistics for people who share their faith. Because most Christians, most, the majority of Christians, will never lead one other soul to Jesus. Most people won't even invite a friend to church. And you have to ask why. You know, outside of maybe feeling unqualified, I think a lot of it is our feelings, our own personal feelings get in the way this day and age and the way we're living. Uh, we don't make ministry a priority, then distraction is always going to win, right? So we start replacing what should be faith with our feelings, okay? We need to understand that faith doesn't care about your feelings when souls are at stake. It's actually pretty serious business, okay? If you didn't know this, if you've wondered, why is redemption so friendly? It's because we are all trained that way. We, train, we, are, we are taught that if somebody walks through these doors and they're standing there alone, we all know church can be awkward the first time you go, right? There's, but if, if somebody walks in, they're standing alone, they don't know where to go, they're obviously new, we look at that as a spiritual emergency. It's a spiritual emergency because the truth nobody wants to talk about, people are dying and going to hell every single day. That's why it's important. That's why we have to share our faith. That's why it's not an option. It's a command from the Lord himself. We have to share our faith because it's a spiritual emergency. People are dying, they're going to hell, you're loved ones, okay? And strangers we've never even met. They're dying and going to hell every day. This is a spiritual emergency. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. A winner of souls must first be a weeper of souls. Your heart must break for the lost. Your heart must break for the lost. 
but we are not salesmen trying to get you to buy a vacuum. Okay, we are firefighters who are willing to head into a burning building if it means just saving one life. That is the weight, that is the mission that God has placed on all of us. Philip received a word, he rose from his sleep, and he headed into the desert to witness to one man. He didn't argue with God, he didn't wrestle with his emotions or make a to-do list. He received a command and did his best to carry it out. That's it. He understood that there is a spiritual emergency that is going to end in eternal damnation if he doesn't get off his couch and do something about it. Okay, it wasn't a question of passion either. Passion is a great thing. Okay, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to have to drive us in order to accomplish our goals, but passion is fleeting. Passion will leave real quick whenever things get hard. Okay, passion is momentary. What are my feelings dictating right now? Right, that's all they are. It's emotions ignited towards pursuing a goal, okay? But we don't need passion because passion can only take you where purpose can keep you. Passion is important, but your purpose is your foundation of where you fight from. It's important to understand that. If you want to continue to see and experience God do amazing things in your life and for your loved ones, his word transcends what we feel in the moment. His word is our purpose. His word dictates how we operate. His word guides us. It teaches us. It comforts us. And it raises us up to places you may not feel like going, but in the end, It's going to grow you into a purpose that you didn't even know was possible. Philip wasn't special. He was just obedient to his purpose. And the Lord elevated him to do extraordinary things. You won't know what extraordinary place the Lord wants to take you unless you have the faith to go there. So Philip's faith took him to the desert to meet a man known only in the Bible as the eunuch. He answered the call, and the call was to reach the lost. So that's going to be point two, the eunuch reaching the lost. The Bible tells us the eunuch was from Ethiopia, which is a pagan country at the time, led by a pagan queen where he served as the treasurer of the entire nation. So he was royalty. He was a high-ranking official in this pagan nation. Okay, and just to get it out the way, what a eunuch is, if you may not know, a eunuch is somebody who has been castrated from the waist below. Okay, I don't know why he was a eunuch. I don't know why that was the rituals from back then. Maybe it was on the job application. Must be organized. Must be able to use Microsoft Excel. No genitalia allowed. Must have references. I don't know (laughs) why he was a eunuch, but nonetheless, he was a eunuch. Uh, I'm sorry about that joke. (laughs) I had another one, but I had to cut it out. (laughs) I don't know what that is. Okay. (laughs) Hey, here's what's interesting, though. Gentiles did not have access to books of the Bible easily at this time, right? So he didn't have the same opportunity that we do where we can just pull up our phone, okay, and then look up Philippians 4.13 and take it out of context, right? We all do that, okay? (laughs) Okay. He didn't have that privilege. In fact, he had to go out of his way in order to get God's word, okay? So the eunuch was hungry for God's word even though he didn't know what it meant. Philip meets the eunuch, but Philip isn't alone. The verse says, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? He invited Philip to come up and sit with them. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was like this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth and in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip about whom I ask you, Does the prophet say this about himself or someone else? So we have Philip answering the call. He's reaching the lost, and a few things are happening here. Um, One, I think it shows us that it's not a matter of if someone 
if we'll have someone to share the gospel with in our lives, it's a matter of are we going to answer the call when the time is right? Okay, the Lord is going to bring people in your life where it's time for you to share. Are you listening? Are you going to be ready for that? Okay, this isn't <clears throat> just whenever it comes to evangelism either, okay, where we're going to need to rely on the Lord first and foremost. This is everything we do in ministry and beyond. So if you're serving at the church without God's presence, you're going to get burned out. If you're preaching the word without God's presence, you're going to get exposed. If you are worshiping without God's presence, you're just listening to music, okay? But if you are hungry to learn how to share your faith and understand, you need to understand that before you do anything, prayer gives us power, and all of our power comes from the presence of God in our lives. We've been saying this this entire series um, back in Acts 1, that God's presence gives us access to a power that we do not possess on our own. Okay, all of our power and everything we do, whether we are serving, we are worshiping, we are evangelizing, it must start with prayer. It doesn't mean just setting aside time in the morning either, which is great, okay? But you actually need a never-ending dialogue with God, and that means we are to pray without ceasing. We are to pray without ceasing, okay? So the people that I trust the most in my life are people that I know are talking to God all the time. Okay, Bob Bolts comes up and tells me to jump. I'm going to say how high because I know he's talking to God. Okay, uh, Jay comes and tells me some advice. I'm going to listen to him because I know he's listening to God. Okay, uh, Hunter shows up. Maybe, maybe not. There's <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love him. But when Philip is witnessing, he is not doing any of this alone. And thank God we don't have to either because sometimes it's awkward and maybe even scary. Okay, I remember at work one day, a, uh, I just shared the gospel with a coworker, and he got in my face screaming with his fist clenched. Okay, just the mention of Jesus shook him to his core, and he got so mad. Okay, it can be awkward to share your faith. To be clear, that was not here at this shop. <laughs> That'd be pretty bad <laughs> if somebody with, at the church was like, what do you mean you're sharing the gospel? No, this is at H-E-B, back when I was working at H-E-B overnight. Y'all pray for H-E-B. Come on, somebody. But you have to remember, when you're sharing your faith, you're never sharing it alone, okay? The Lord is always leading us to his righteous works, but he's also beside us when we are carrying it out. This is one of the principles that helped me understand that sharing your faith is actually only as awkward as you're willing to make it. Because let's be real, going to church for the first time can be awkward, right? So witnessing and like sharing your faith with maybe a stranger can be awkward. Last year, me and Pastor Byron went to Ohio where we went and helped coach these church planters and how to strengthen their ministry. Okay, we had this big dinner with all these pastors and church leaders. And as we were leaving, we're in downtown Ohio, walking on the sidewalk. We pack, pass up this club and it's banging rap music. I don't even know what they're playing nowadays. It's like ludicrous or something. It's going crazy in there. And I'm like, they're all underage. You can see <laughs> if you just pass it up. These are underage kids. And out of nowhere, one kid pops out and he goes, hey, you look cool. And I'm like, hey, you, you seem cool too, man. He goes, hey, I got shot last week. Want to see? I'm like, ah. <laughs> There's a bullet wound right there. And he's like, ah. And in that moment, the Lord's like, ah, hey, you need to pray for this guy. Nah, no. What do you mean? This is the most awkward situation I've ever been in. What do I say to this guy? So I just say, hey, uh, hey, man, do you believe in God? Do you mind if I pray for you? Okay, you seem like you've had a rough patch, right? He's like, yeah, that'd be cool. So I did. I prayed for him. And then a van pulled up out of nowhere, and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> Ohio is weird. And he jumps in the car, and he goes, thanks, man. See you later. I'm like, Okay, that was so awkward. That was so weird. That was so random. Um, but the Lord put me in that place at that moment. And do I know if that kid got saved? No. Do I know if that kid is following the Lord? No. But I know if I plant the seed, God will grow the glory. And it's our responsibility just to plant that seed. Okay, I'm praying for this kid in Ohio, okay? I'm praying he's still there. He doesn't have any more bullet wounds. 
But I know I did at least my little part for a stranger at that time because I had a dialogue with God, okay? Even when I didn't want to listen, I had to, right? That's where he will take you. He will take you to uncomfortable places if it means to see conversion, right? If it means conversion, he's going to put you in some awkward places. But remember, when you share your faith, you're never sharing it alone. The Lord is always leading us. He's always with us. There's nothing to be afraid of. Stop being afraid. Step out of your comfort zone. Remember that God is with you whenever you're sharing your faith. Right? If I get out of my comfort zone for just a minute, someone may experience eternal peace. Is that worth it? I think so. I think so. I think I'm willing to take that risk too. Okay? So Philip is being consistently guided by the Holy Spirit because he is always in prayer. So he knows and is aware of when he is being called to be obedient. The more you're in God's presence and the more you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the more available you become for the Lord to use you. Okay? We pray that prayer all the time. Thy Father, please, Lord, lead me to do thy will. Put me, use me as a vessel to do whatever it is you have for me. We all pray this prayer. Use me for your will. In reality, we mean, Lord, please use me. Except, you know, I like to golf on Saturdays. Right? So probably not in that little window from, from, from 8 to, what, y'all play golf forever, from 8 to 9, 9 p.m., right? Or, Lord, please use me. But I have to watch the Cowboys lose at 7.30. So... <laughs> So I need to, I got to face some disappointment. God, I'm a Broncos fan, so I'm right there with you. Okay, I'm not picking on you. It's a tough game. But we say this prayer all the time, Lord, use me. But we got to be in God's presence if we want the power to do his work. And this is partly why we teach so hard against consumer Christianity. Okay, it's not to pick on you. It's not to pick on people who just come to church, they take up a seat on Sunday, and they leave. Okay, I'm saying this with all love, that we know if the more connected you are to the body of Christ, the more you're going to see the miracles he has for you, okay? You get to be a part of the movement. He wants you to be a part of the movement. You are meant for more than just sitting in a seat on Sunday, okay? Do not miss out on the miracles God has for your life, right? Jump in, okay? This, this, this train is not stopping anytime soon, okay? The Lord is taking us to new heights, and we want you to go with us, okay? We want you to go with us. We want you to experience what God has for you here at Redemption because he's doing amazing things. So if you're still there, you're curious, you're like, you know what, I think I'm ready to jump, come see me at Next Steps, first Sunday of every month. I'll sit with you, okay? Come talk to me after the service. I'd love to get you plugged in to what God is doing here because I promise you, he has a place for you, okay? We are all awarded through his mercy these spiritual gifts, and it's our job to utilize them, okay? How can we steward these gifts that God has given us, okay? Jump into your local church. Even if it's not here, I'll say it. Even if it's not here, go join your local church and go all in, okay? Watch what God does. When you show up, he's going to show off, okay? Because he has designed us for sacrifice, not for spectating. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm waking up for church. He wants us to be on fire for the gospel because you were meant for more than just sitting in a chair on Sunday. My job is to help you find that, okay? And remember, it could be awkward. It might be awkward at first. You might not like me. That's fine. It might be awkward, okay? But God will use you, okay? He will use you and take you out of your comfort zone in order to see conversion, Okay, and that's in other people's lives, but watch what he does to you whenever you go all in. Watch how he'll strengthen the saints. Watch how he develops you. Watch how he makes you into someone you never knew was possible, okay? That story is being written every single Sunday, so do not miss out on that, okay? The breakthrough you're waiting for could be on the other side of the call you're ignoring. When he speaks, we must listen. When he highlights someone, we must pursue. And until everyone in our lives has experienced his mercy, we have a job to do, and that's to share the good news. So once you answer the call, then you can reach the lost. And then when we reach the lost, we aren't giving them good advice. Amen? 
We're giving them good news, okay? The, the story continues, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? The Philip, the, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. God, I can read this verse over and over. Okay, Philip has answered the call. He's reached a loss. Now he has a chance to do the most important aspect of sharing your faith, and that is sharing the good news. Can you imagine how excited Philip must have been whenever he met the eunuch, and he's like, all right, God brought me to this guy. And he's like, hey, I'm already actually reading this. Can you help me out? That's nice. Normally, that's not it. <laughs> normally, not, normally, it doesn't seem like somebody is actually pursuing God. Okay? But God was already stirring in the eunuch's heart and brought him here for this specific moment. Just like five years ago, that girl was brought to this church for that specific message. He probably thought that he was heading straight into enemy territory because up to this point, as I explained earlier, persecution, persecution, persecution. He was probably used to getting denied or even worse. He saw what happened to Stephen, but that wasn't the case with the eunuch. The eunuch was ready. Right? He's already seeking. He went out of his way to spend a lot of money and time to acquire this book, and he actually wants help. But instead of just giving him a nudge in the right direction or some good advice, he went straight to the heart and began telling him the gospel. Philip is teaching to the church to this day that people don't need good advice. They need good news. We can read leadership books all day. We can read books about creating good habits all day, but it is only the gospel that transforms and only the gospel that saves Okay, have you ever mentioned when a non-believer, you bring up the name Jesus, okay, they can kind of shriek, they can get offended. That guy yelling at me at H-E-B, they can get offended. It's because the gospel cuts straight to the heart. Okay, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power like no other, like no other name you will ever experience like Jesus. You can turn a blind man into a man with sight right away. There's power in the name of Jesus. So people don't need a good advice, they need good news. And what's really cool is as I was telling that story about the girl sitting here five years ago, and as I'm reading this part, um, most likely there's actually probably somebody in this room in this exact situation, as that, this exact situation that that girl was five years ago. Okay, you've come here, you're looking for an answer. Maybe you're lost. Maybe somebody recommended coming to church they gave you an invite card, or you finally just accepted the invite, or they just nudged you along, and you finally made it through these doors. I want to tell you that I do not have good advice for you. I don't. I, I can't help you in your life. I don't know who you are. I don't know your story, okay? But I do have good news, okay? And that is I serve a Savior who will take all of your burdens and put them on his back. Amen. Okay, I have a Savior. I, I serve a Savior who can grab your life and turn it completely around into things that you never thought were possible, okay? That life you've lived that you were so ashamed of, he can take it and forgive you. Right. He can take it and say, hey, this is more than enough. He will give you his best all he asks for is your worst. Okay, I don't have good advice. I do have good news. That Jesus is here in this room. He loves you. He sees you. He hears your thoughts. Okay, and he brought you here today for a reason. Keep showing up. Keep showing up and watch God, what God will do. Okay, I could, I was that man in the back. I mean, not specifically right now. All these men in the back are really cool. But I was that man in the back <laughs> with his arms crossed for months and months and months before God grabbed a hold of me, okay? So for you just to come to these doors, that's a huge step, and I'm proud of you, okay? And God sees you, and he's gonna make himself known. He's gonna make himself known. But there are people in our lives 
that don't need you shoving your faith in their face, okay, they just need a nudge. The Lord is stirring something in their heart that they can't figure out. The only missing ingredient is you. But they don't need your advice. They don't need your expanded, deep, and rich theology. They don't need that yet, okay? They can get that later. They need the good news, and you might be the only one that can give it to them. Notice that God sent the angel to Philip. He could have sent it straight to the eunuch. Can you imagine? That's what happens to Paul later on. He receives a messenger directly, but he didn't do that this time. He gave it to Philip so Philip could fulfill the work of the Lord. Okay? Because that means you are the missing piece to, finding, to someone finding their faith. You could be the missing piece. Okay? Philip was the eunuch's missing piece, that last piece of the puzzle that made everything make sense. Okay? God is teaching us that we are to be messengers of the good news, not because God needs us, but because we need God. And sharing our faith brings us closer to him. God knows that when we share the good news, it strengthens our faith. It develops our discipleship. It makes us bolder. It makes us more willing to head into unknown territory, more willing to get into awkward situations, more willing to get out of our comfort zone. You just have to answer and make sure you're listening. You could be the missing piece to someone finding their faith. Okay, and we don't have to give them anything, but the story of what Jesus has already given. Isn't that beautiful? Because I don't have anything to give. Can I borrow $40? I got nothing, okay, but I do have good news, okay, and that could change a family's legacy forever. So we answer the call, we reach the lost, we explain the good news, and then we rejoice in the rewards because it's a celebration, amen? amen? The verse concludes by saying, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the town until he came to Caesarea. So if this doesn't fire you up, I don't know what will. We love baptisms around here. Amen. We do, we do not withhold waters from anyone because we know what baptisms mean. And what I love this verse is because Philip gets to rejoice with him. Before he just dips out, he gets to rejoice with them, okay? Because when you share your faith with others, you will rejoice in the rewards. I've seen it. I've experienced it. And let me tell you, there ain't no party like a baptism Sunday. Come on, okay? There's nothing better than the excitement and freedom you experience when you see a loved one saved by the gospel. And God has made sure that we get to rejoice and be a part of it. And that's beautiful. The unit grew up as far away from God as you possibly could. Okay, but God said, I'm not done with you yet. And he sent his, per he sent his man to go and reach him. That's how much God loves you. And we get to rejoice in that. And this is why baptisms are such a big deal. Okay, they are an outward expression of an inward transformation that the Lord has done inside you. They are a symbol of salvation that we can carry for the rest of our lives. They are a platform for us to proclaim the gospel, right? We can proclaim how good God has been to us. And I told you guys a story earlier about the girl five years ago who came to church. Well, if you didn't figure it out, that woman was my wife, Kayla Knox. Okay, that non-believing bonehead was me. You didn't see that coming. That woman was my wife. And on the day Kayla said yes to Jesus, she didn't realize she would be saying yes for so many others. So the story ends with Philip baptizing the eunuch, celebrating with him, and then he is supernaturally transported away. Okay? Can we all agree that we wish we could still do that? <laughs> you're at Starbucks and you're, you're sharing the good news with somebody and you're like, man, that's why Jesus loves you. 
and then you just peace. And the Lord grabs you, and you just fade away, right? But in reality, you're still there. And then you have to, like, exchange phone numbers. No, yeah, follow me on Instagram. And then it's awkward. You don't want to walk the same direction in the parking lot, right? Basically, it's going to be a little awkward. I wish we could just transport ourselves away like it happens here, but that's not the case. Uh, but what happens to Philip after this story is really amazing. It's really amazing, okay? Because he doesn't go on to be this great apostle. He continues to just be a guy, a guy with a family. He has four daughters. They all receive the gift of prophecy. And it says, wherever Philip ends, he will spread the good news. So he spends the rest of his life living a quiet life with a family, his four daughters, doing his job, loving Jesus, and just sharing the good news. How beautiful is that? That is the goal for me in life. I know that much. A nice, simple life. You have your kiddos, and you're just there to share the good news and get on with your work, making sure it honors God. And then what happens to the eunuch? Well, this is crazy. Okay, they say that there is an early church historian named Irenaeus. So this is in the 300s. And they say that when the early church was doing their missionary work, okay, so this is when they're going out and they're planting churches all across the country. They're trying to reach places that have not been reached yet. They pull up to Ethiopia. There's a church there already. Now, wait a minute. They already know about Jesus. And they go deeper, and there's more churches. There's more churches. And there's more churches. So now the people in Ethiopia, okay, they credit the history of their church in Ethiopia to the eunuch. That one man who received the word of God and was witness to started an entire generation and legacy that is still thriving to this day. How beautiful is that? And what happened to Kayla? Unfortunately, you're looking at it. Okay, so Kayla, uh, Kayla now serves here on staff as our uh, guest experience director, which is amazing. What a blessing, right? Uh, I'm here, obviously. Okay, but on the day that Kayla got baptized, I actually wasn't there. So this is the day Kayla said yes and said yes for so many others, and I didn't realize it. But I missed this day because I didn't believe. I didn't want to celebrate what she was celebrating. I didn't believe what she believed. I was happy for her enough, but I didn't show up. So we fast forward. I got to get baptized. The Lord grabbed my life. I started serving. I joined a small group. I got in those waters. And when I got out, I told Kayla, I will never miss another event in my life, I promise you. So I got on one knee, and I proposed to her right out of the baptism waters. So Kayla's yes became my yes. Okay, and it wasn't because she was shoving her faith in my face. She never did that. She just lived by example. She just followed Jesus. She just followed Jesus. And what, what happens when you follow Jesus? Okay, things change. Okay, things get different. Things start to change. Okay, she understood that her life is a reflection of what we surrender to. And I could tell she was surrendering to Jesus every single day. And I could not deny it anymore that something is happening in this woman that was not happening before. What happened to her? The Lord grabbed my heart, and he pulled me into those waters. So you have to ask yourself, what are you surrendering to? Are you surrendering to fear? Are you surrendering to pleasure? Are you surrendering to comfort? Are you surrendering to the world, or are you surrendering to Jesus? Kayla surrendered to Jesus, and I got saved. I started serving. I got baptized. I got married in this church because finally I wanted to do things God's way. I wanted to do things God's way, and Kayla's yes became my yes. And then what happened? Well, her best friend Jennifer saw what was going on. And her yes became her. Kayla's yes became her yes. 
Okay, now she's our faithful uh, welcome team lead. Come on, somebody. Okay. And then Anna Marino. She said yes. She's now on staff with us. And the best soul ever. Amen. We all love Anna. She's the best. Then my best friend Ronald. If you don't know him, there he is. It's that guy right there. Ronald was living in Austin, Texas with a very successful business. He shut it down. He moved to Beaumont, Texas, started serving at a church, met his wife, and now they have my godson who's being raised up in the back. Kayla's yes became Ronald's yes. And then Kayla's mom said yes. Doesn't matter what age you are. Doesn't matter what age you are. We got, we, we got work to do. Then my entire jiu-jitsu team. My entire jiu-jitsu team was like, what is happening with this guy? <laughs> you were not like this. They thought I was in a cult for sure, okay? <laughs> but the Lord softened their hearts. And I got to be a part of their special day too when they got to say yes. Okay, and then the next slide. My buddy Papa Jay, Jared George, he just fixed our door. Come on, somebody. <laughs> okay. Hey, Jared said yes, and then he said, let me fix your door. You guys need some help. Okay, Jared said yes. And then my friend Ashley said yes. She just led some worship for us. And then her little sister Marissa, who was just like me, lifelong atheist, saw what was happening. She said yes. That girl has read her entire Bible in a year. Come on. Then one of my mentors and one of my dearest friends, Doug Champagne. Okay, so Doug is a man who I've always called to for adult advice. Okay, because I need help with that. Come on, somebody. Okay, but he's always been there as like my rock, my support. He can help me make crucial decisions and things like that. God grabbed a hold of him, and now he's calling me. (laughs) He's calling me for questions about the Bible. And I've witnessed him become one of the strongest disciples in such a short time that I've ever seen in my life. Okay, Doug's yes came from Caleb's yes. Because when we share our faith by answering the call and by reaching the lost and by sharing the good news, we get to rejoice in the wards the rewards, and when we share our faith, our yes can become someone else's yes. But you'll never know if you don't try. 